Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Joe Barrage, and he's the author of a new book called Perfect City, an urban fixer's global search for magic in the modern metropolis. I had a blast with Joe. He's an urban planner. He's a, a, a an instructor. He teaches at University of Toronto and uh, a thoughtful guy about a whole lot of things, uh, definitely uh, digging into some philosophical underlying tones around this idea of urban planning. And we had some fun with that on, in this conversation. We, we, we talk about, of course, the, the perfect city and, and, and why being an urban planner is, is a lot like uh, being a mechanic. We talk about how cities are, are, are machines and how they're purpose-built and purpose-driven. We talk about home ownership and public housing. And, and we get into concepts of liberty. And, and we talk about entropy and how, how cities are oddly organic and, and how important that that connection between infrastructure and intimacy, you know, how, how to build community, where people come into play. We talk about old cities and why is it that people seem to be drawn more towards those than the newer ones that are just full of, you know, made of glass and, 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 and full of a whole lot of steel. They, they seem to lack character, but Joe sort of speaks to that. We talk about why jobs leave before people do, and, and we talk about how you need something to redistribute and, and why and, and this is really interesting and something that's, that's worth reflecting on a great deal is why, why successful cities need immigrants. We, wanted, we, we, we talk about entrepreneurship and, and innovation and, and, and so on and how it happens. And we talk about why Toronto is a gentle follower. There you go, fellow Torontonians. You'll be interested to hear what Joe has to say about that. And, and cars. Joe has a, a, how important cars are to the growth of a city and what actually 
technology, they actually could be an element in holding cities back. We get into cities around the world as well. We talk Manchester and London and Singapore and New York. You want to check this one out. The, uh, the book is Perfect City. Joe Barrage coming right up. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and public speaking. Uh, you can get more information uh, through there uh, or, or send an email to me or give me a call. Uh, also, uh, purchase my book, Real Change is Incremental. I would love that. And don't forget uh, face to face live ca for so many more interviews. We're coming up on uh, 450. In fact, we may have already passed it. And uh, if you can support the work we do, you can do that through patreon.com. And if you can't get behind us financially, totally understand that. Why not consider advertising on face to face? Reach out to us through the website or uh, simpler uh, and yet uh, just as important, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd so appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family. Sign up for the email list and also rabble.ca for uh, just so many other engaging, thoughtful writers who are connecting with things that matter and, and, and talking about them through blogs and blogs and podcasts and articles. Check it out, news for the rest of us. And coming right up, Joe Barrage and The Perfect City. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today, uh, Joe Barrage, author uh, urban, and urban planner, is here today to talk about his new book, Perfect City, an urban fixer's global search for magic in the modern metropolis. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, absolutely. So you're, you're a partner at Urban Strategies, urban planner, city builder. Can you tell me, can, can you can, pretend I don't know anything about urban planning, which is actually kind of true? <laughs> well, uh, I've had the good fortune in my life to have had a, a worked in cities uh, all over the world. And um, basically what I say is that essentially city planning is a little like being a mechanic. Like, mm. well, I guess I'm a kind of traveling mechanic. Um, we look at the city and we say, where the heck's the transit system? Why can't we build any subways? Where's the affordable housing? Uh, what are we going to do about all this empty land on our waterfront uh, now that the, the cranes have all disappeared? Uh, how do we protect the natural environment inside the city? How do we make sure that uh, new immigrants uh, coming to the city are accepted and, and, and can become productive citizens? So what you find is that the, the agenda for the world cities is actually remarkably similar. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, I, after a bit of going to uh, uh, all these different cities, I began to ask myself the question, um, they're all wrestling with the same problems. Right. Who, who does what best? Uh, and that's why this kind of uh, slightly fanciful idea of the perfect city came in. If, if, uh, uh, if you had a, you know, who's perfect at immigration? Who's perfect at a providing affordable housing? Who's perfect at getting their uh, waterfront uh, attractive and interesting? Who's perfect at, at stimulating uh, their downtown? Uh, who's perfect at connecting the university to the tech sector? Uh, if you could find a city that was doing all those things, then that would be the perfect city. But it's not surprisingly, no one city does everything well. No one's, yeah, there's so, and by the way, congratulations on the book. I, lo I loved it. it. It so connects to the work that I do. There's so many profound sort of philosophical questions, it seems to me, at the root of urban planning. That Yeah, uh, it, it, it's interesting. You wouldn't think of it, as I say. No, it, it, no, not really. It, it's a very practical discipline, but you're, you're always faced with these, uh, you know, what's the best way to do something is, everybody talks about involving the people in planning. Well, if you have a public meeting, you pretty soon realize that the people who turn up to the public meeting ain't the people. 
Right. Uh, and so <clears throat> all the questions about, you know, what's a, what's a practical democracy for planning? And there's a whole school of thought which says there isn't one. Get it done. People will love you if, if you can build the subway in three years. They'll be a lot happier than talking about it for five. Uh, so these are sort of they're, they're, they're questions of practical philosophy, you might say. Well, what's so interesting, I was just going to sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek say, you know, so did you, you know, when you, when you were working on your, you know, you know your, 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 your degree and your, your academic work, were you, were you consulting with Plato, you know, the Republic? Were you, were, but, but it's not too well, far, well, it's not too far from it in a sense, because later in the book, in, in, on the chapter in Toronto, which I really want to hear about because you've lived in Toronto mm-hmm. for so many years, but you, you say that Confucius said, you know, it, it was about keeping local citizens, I think, happy and, 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 and attracting and, uh, attracting new citizens from afar. from from afar, right? So yeah, right. a comment not only on uh, you know the the status quo, I suppose, but also about about new talent and entrepreneurship and immigration and all kinds yeah. of things built into that one phrase. So it's not too far from the truth, really, is it? No, it, it, and, and uh, you know, there. This is what's so fascinating. I, I uh, uh, when I was an undergraduate, I had the benefit of listening to the great philosopher Isaiah Berlin uh, give these magnificent mm. lectures. And he said there are two concepts of liberty. Uh, there's the liberty to do what you like, uh, and there is the liberty to, uh, of, of being protected uh, from things that you don't like. Mm. So there's the freedom to do something, and there's the freedom from things. Right, right. And uh, it's a brilliant dichotomy, because when you go to somewhere like Singapore, um, they are very much not freedom tours. Uh, you, can't, you can't spit your gum on the sidewalk right. in Singapore. They'll give you a hard time. Um, as a result, you have freedom from all of those ugly black rings uh, of crud <laughs> on the sidewalk. Right, which apparently you, 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 you don't like either. It's not just the, I don't the like former either. I don't, know any, I don't know anybody who does like yeah, it. Yeah, Singaporeans <laughs> don't like it, but you don't like it either. Yeah. So you... you um, you, you, you realize that uh, certainly in the Western world, we've had a very strong direction towards uh, human rights and individual rights. Um, when you go to Singapore, you get slammed in the face with the responsibility with human responsibilities. Mm. So you have a responsibility to stay healthy, to bring up your children well, make sure they get an education. Uh, to have a, um, a, a productive job, uh, to look after your uh, elders, uh, and uh, essentially live right, uh, and, and, right. And, and keep a, keep a good neighborhood. And it's very interesting because what does that mean? It's basically next to no crime uh, in uh, Singaporean cities, and or in the city of Singapore. Uh, and you realize that. Uh, it may be uh, you know, occasionally a tad dull, um, but in terms of providing a very good quality of life for uh, the, the broad majority of people, um, they actually have, have uh, been quite successful. I, you, you, you see these little spots of flamboyance uh, popping up around the city, more and more now, it has to be said, uh, where there is a lot of freedom to uh, enjoy yourself and, and, and express yourself and to behave in different ways. Um, so maybe the, the, the dial is ratcheting back a little bit, but uh, you, were, you were very struck by um, the, 
the, the fact that in that society at least um, the state is not the all provider uh, essentially you have to provide the basis of the state fascinating it, it is and I've, I've as I mentioned before uh, well I've I've, I've visited quite a few of the cities that you talk about in the book, mm-hmm. which was wonderful for me, and I couldn't help but smile. And and actually, reading your chapter on Singapore, I, I, I'm going back to Asia this year, but unfortunately not going to be in Singapore. I really I'm kind of longing for Newton Circus, you know, um, some <laughs> some some good seafood. You know, it's interesting you talk about Singapore. I've I've got some significant history. My father was there in, with the Royal Air Force in the 50s, right. so there's a there's a real family connection for me as well. But I I actually you know, noted you know the, the one of the approaches of of Lee Kuan Yew, you the, the the prime minister there for so many years was you, you mentioned he had a very inclusive approach another mm. thing that i noticed was you know needing to, something to own was very important for for singaporeans he, t- yeah. he there was a bit of a war on the car was the other highlight yep. that I made. And then the other one was this sort of almost lack of environmental assessments. You know, we're going to take a philosopher king-like approach to environmental assessments and we're going to get construction done, you know, yep. maybe not as I, wisely as well, uh, but maybe, I'm not sure. I, well, I, I, I'll start with the, with the environmental assessment thing. They are, they, what they said is, we're not going to write reports. We're going to do the best practice in the world. Mm. So, in fact, they are extraordinarily uh, environmentally respectful, and they've done some, some very tricky things uh, there uh, because it's a country which doesn't have very much water. That's right. So, yeah. And they're, they're, they're desperately worried strategically about being dependent on Malaysia for water supply. Um, but uh, they said, don't mistake the writing of environmental assessments for the doing of the environmental right, right thing. Right. <laughs> you know, I, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I think I mentioned in the book that when I started work on the Toronto waterfront, uh, we determined that in order to do the right thing, we would have to r- prepare about 350 environmental assessments, which was great for the report writing industry, but it had absolutely nothing to do with doing the right thing on the waterfront. And, so, uh, well, you kept, again, you, kept, you kept consultants busy, that's for sure. You get, well, that's right. Our, our firm is, stays very, uh, very busy on, on uh, writing all these, these fine reports. But you know, one of the things I learned is uh, the older you get, you actually want to do it. You don't want to write about it. Right, uh, right. And there, there are other fascinating things that are, that are different there. Um, they have, I think, something like 87% of Singaporeans live in public housing. You'll go, what? In that wealthy city, they all live in public housing? Yes, they do, but it's home ownership public housing. Right, right. So uh, Lee Kuan Yew, as, as you pointed out, the, the, the first uh, prime minister, was very keen on people owning something because he didn't believe that they could be real citizens if they didn't, which again is an interesting perspective. Uh, uh, Sounding a lot like the Republican to me. Joe. It, 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 it does, um, but what he did then was to make... Um, to, to make home ownership very available. Right, uh, so right. he, he had all these programs for making sure that everybody uh, right up and down the income ladder could afford to own their own home. Um, it, 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 it's fascinating. Um, you, the, you, all of these kinds of techniques, as it were, which are run completely against the conventional drift of uh, 
the, the advanced Western democracies. You, Joe, you said something earlier that kind of points to this, but but in the book it comes out, and I think it's quite early on, maybe even in the introduction, that that a machine that a city's kind of like a machine. He used the analogy yeah. of a machine and very purpose built. Yeah. I. I I don't always have that experience. Like flying in, you sort of get that sense overhead, you know, the drone-like shot. Wow, this is really well organized. Look at the roads, and yeah. the map, you know. But when you're driving through a city, it, like especially a city like Hamilton, with all due respect to people from Hamilton, doesn't always seem so purpose-built to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, no. Not another I, one-way I, street. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Yeah. So can yeah. you talk a bit about that and, and, the, yeah, and how that plays out? For, for yeah, the, for... I, I, the, 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 the use of the sort of machine uh, metaphor was, was deliberate because this is an enormous physical object mm. that we've built. Uh, and it's a physical object that you see above ground with all the buildings, uh, at grade with all of the streets, and, and below grade with all of the infrastructure, the pipes that run underneath it and the subways. And um, this machine is constantly aging. You know, entropy mm -hmm. sets in mm -hmm. all over the place. Uh, this machine is oddly, strangely organic because it sort of changes in strange ways. So uh, about uh, in the mid-60s, somebody invented the container. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, the whole technology of shipping changed. Uh, and all of those port lands that you had at the, uh, around Manhattan or uh, on the Hamilton waterfront or the Toronto waterfront or, or uh, up in, uh, right through the River Thames in London, all of that land became redundant almost within about five years uh, because container terminals, container ports required a different kind of geography. Hmm. Uh, a different, uh, and so this is suddenly the machine acting almost like a... A, um, uh, a, a farmer's field where the crop dies. Mm. And you say, well, what the hell are we going to do with that? And suddenly the crop is growing over there in the next field. Uh, and I, 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 that's what I find fascinating about cities. You, you look at this uh, pattern of um, a, a lot of urbanists like to complain about gentrification, right. the, the, the moving of wealthy people into former um, poor neighborhoods. Well, I have been in enough cities to see the opposite of gentrification going on, where once wealthy neighborhoods uh, are now rattling around. Uh, and let me tell you, that's not a pretty thing to see. The, the notion that uh, cities can stay the same um, which an awful lot of planning historically has tried to do. You want right. to pre preserve neighborhoods and preserve communities. You can't. Um, this great beast goes rolling on, and uh, city planners come along with their little spanners and their screwdrivers <laughs> and try and fix things. Uh, and you end up with bits. You, 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 you talked about it in Hamilton uh, with uh, a, a fairly brutal one-way road system running through Hamilton. There have been endless attempts to change that, but the kind of philosophy of that city as being kind of a blue-collar town requiring roads uh, has acted against that change mm. actually being implemented. But Hamilton will change. Hamilton will become, uh, go through a revitalization as it gets more and more in the orbit of the super city of Toronto. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I think you'll see more and more urbanist type people moving into more and more urbanist type jobs in that community. I see this happening in all the way, the ring around uh, London, England, the ring around New York City, where, where towns like White Plains and Bridgeport and Newark are suddenly uh, re revitalizing. Um, 
And that will bring a new population, and that population will say, I don't want a downtown with a freeway running through the middle of it. Let's, uh, let's calm these cities, calm these streets down. Calm these streets um, down. It's a great, it's a great phrase. Is there, yeah. is there any kind of urban myth or legend around um, years ago demographers drank too much? You know, the, the, the idea of a drunken demographer, you know, you, you, you get to a city and you're like, who, who designed these, these streets? Come on. I mean, really? Well, it, it, Whatever it, happened I mean, to north, south, east, and west? <laughs> you know what? One of the most fascinating things is, going back briefly to Singapore again, um, they have got this unbelievable war on the car in Singapore. Yes. So you can't, in order to buy a new car, they only issue a few thousand permits a year to buy a new car. And the permits, by the way, only last 10 years. Um, and they're, they're bid out, like taxi licenses used to be. And the current uh, permit uh, to buy a car, I think, is about 85000 Wow. Um, and then you try and buy a car, and its price doubles uh, because of import duties. And then you go on the streets, and you pay really fierce road tolls. Road, road tolls, yeah. As a result, the city, the streets are empty of cars, and they, they're way over-engineered, so they're way too big. They're, they're all three-laners, and they could all be two-laners or mm. even one, one-and-a-half-laners. Uh, so, you know, the, the last generation of engineers were like your drunken demographers. They, they got it a little, a, a little wrong. And right. uh, so all over the city, you're, all over the world, you're beginning to see cities uh, pushing back against the car. And I think there's some magic chemistry between that strategy and automated vehicles, I think, that is going to be very much the, uh, the kind of chemistry of, of, of the new city. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, what I hear is really high tax led to a more environmentally friendly city on at least some levels. That's right. And uh, where did that tax money go? In part, to build a superb transit system. Right, right. Except, for the, uh, except when it's raining. Joe, it's hard to get a taxi when it's raining in Singapore. <laughs> that I do remember. Well, it, 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 that is true. Uh, and, uh, and man, it can rain in Singapore. It sure can, um, yeah. But uh, the subway system is really marvelous. It's really, really and, amazing. And it's, it's expanding true. all the time. So where do, you know, uh, and, and this is a thread throughout your book, which, which I, I was thrilled to see. Where, where does, and I can hear it in your voice and, and your approach, but, you know, you say uh, later in the book, I think it's in the Toronto chapter again, about people are first. It's not, it's not, it's, it's about places for them to live before business and, and, and governments and institutions and so on. And, and I think it's a, it's a lovely paragraph about how, you know, creative and innovative and entrepreneurial people, that, that's what makes up a successful city. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that from a, I don't know, a theory practice perspective, you know, are, are young urban planners learning about human beings as well? <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> or is it, is it really about pipe size and about conduit and about the size of the three versus the five lane highway and so on? It's, 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 to be fair, it's about, it's about both. Right. Um, you, you do big capital resources, infrastructure resources are inevitably very limited uh, and um, trying to figure out what is the best uh, subway or LRT system, uh, which is the priority route, which is the route you just spend money on. Um, this is a, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. it, it really is complicated. And, it, and, and uh, I, 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 it's very possible to, to add in variables like asking a question, 
which is the subway system that will most reduce unemployment, right. which, is, uh, which will connect people to jobs. Uh, those are uh, working in London, England. That's the question that they ask there. Hmm. At the same time, they say, which is the subway system that will generate the most cash because it will stimulate the most development? So they do. Uh, they look at these uh, infrastructure questions in a, in a, in a, in a very broad uh, and, and actually quite sophisticated way. And I think probably they are, of the, the Western democracies, they are the best uh, at doing that kind of thing. So uh, the reason that I come back to people, interestingly, is still a kind of a capitalist view. Mm. The, pur- the purpose of cities is to make money. I mean, I have lived in cities which stopped making money, or worked in cities which stopped making money. The whole northwest of England stopped making money. And it is no fun to have a city where people can't earn a living uh, because people are, uh, I think the word is sticky. You know, the jobs leave before the people do. So the people are still Mm -hmm. there and there are no jobs. Um, And you can see that in the States right now that uh, uh, mobility is reduced quite significantly, and uh, a lot of people are stuck in their uh, communities which no longer have a viable economy um, because they can't afford to leave and they can't afford certainly to go and live in San Francisco or the big city. Um, so the, f- the first job for any city is to make money, and that's what cities have done. It sounds very unglamorous, but I, I, I deliberately kind of say it unglamorously because if you don't do that, you can't do anything else. Well, it's kind uh, of I, doesn't it doesn't it sort of call back to your comment about organic as well, though? I mean, you're not talking about a city making money as some sort of disinterested capitalist sitting in a big office down on 200 Bay Street, yeah. or, or right? Uh, you're, this is about providing, make money to provide f- for its people. Is yeah, it that? I, I, yeah, but the, the, it's still. Uh, um, I, I'm a big redistributor, but you mm. have to have something. You, you got to have something to redistribute. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Fair point. Yep. And um, and you know what's fascinating to me? Uh, just wheel back a minute. Why I'm such a huge supporter of immigration is because basically it's immigrants who are such extraordinarily almost natural business people mm. uh, because. An immigrant comes here from Somalia or from Macedonia or from from, um, Iran uh, or the Philippines. They are not going to know how to get a government job. Government jobs are reserved for us white guys for the most part. Uh, They are going to have to earn their own darn living. Uh, And so what are they going to do? The first thing they're going to do is they're going to start a restaurant. uh, And they're going to make some money and they're going to employ all their cousins and everybody else, nephews and nieces in the restaurant, and they're going to make some more money. Uh, and then the second thing they're going to do is they're going to go into the construction business. Uh, and because uh, what can happen is if they all gang together, they can buy a house and they're all handy with their hands and they can start to fix the house up and they do one house and they do five houses. And then they go into the construction business. And then their kids, uh, because if you've got the right kind of school system uh, and wonderfully in Toronto, probably better than any place in the world, we have an accepting school system. Uh, The kids get a good education and they get a professional degree and they become Mm -hmm. uh, the the lawyers uh, and the uh, the MBAs uh, and they can start the more sophisticated businesses. And you can see this pattern. Uh, 
running immigrant generation after immigrant generation after immigrant generation in Toronto. Um, you know, the, the, the first guys in doing all that, going through that were the Scots, then it was the Irish, then it was the Jewish populations, then it was the Italian population, then, and now it's the Chinese population, just r- uh, running through, uh, and, and the Iranians not far behind. And these, um, and, and these are, to, to your point, the creative, the innovative, the entrepreneurial, sort of the energetic yes. folk who, who won't sort of take no for an answer, right? That's right. And are going and, and and to no- make it work. And have no presumptions that mm. the state is state is going to look after them because the right. state didn't look after them. That's why they're here. Right. Uh, and so that's you know um, uh, keep local people happy and attract yeah. new citizens yeah. from afar. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, that's how it has to work. And so when cities get starved of immigration because they no longer have the goods, uh, they, they no longer have the reason that people will go there. Um, then you see them begin to, to fail and fade. Uh, and uh, you know, a large part of, I, I didn't get into this, although I had a, a chapter on this that I, I decided not to run with because I'm not quite ready on it yet. But the, the Brexit vote in the UK and the Trump vote in, um, in the US are very much determined by these kinds of, of uh, localist versus immigrationist forces, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 they're and they're completely different geography. Right. Um, that's why you have, you know, almost two completely different countries seem to be emerging in the states and in uh, in the UK. What Joe? Why do, why do we seem to? And this may just be the romantic in me a little bit. But why do we seem to prefer older cities to newer ones? Is that a is that a um, fair assumption to make? Yes, it's 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 a it's a very interesting question because I mean, one of the things that I find fascinating about Toronto is it basically has next to no history, next to no geography. It's not a very attractive place. Um, the only thing it has really going for it is that it has been the crucible of so much extraordinary immigrant success mm. over mm. the years. Um, I, I think. And I, 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 I try to roll out this slightly silly idea of, 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 of ugly beauty, uh, what they right. call in France, right, right. jolie laid, because I think, and maybe I'm just getting too darn old, and I've also just come back from France for uh, a month, so I shouldn't uh, even talk like this, but I think there's, uh, you can get tired of that European textural beauty and it is often very skin deep there's an extraordinary similarity right. um, between the stormix in central london central paris central new york uh, and singapore and shanghai hong kong um, and if you want to go where the action is get out on the end of the subway line um, and go to the, the london borough of barking and dagenham you know Right out east on the uh, on the mm-hmm. district line, and suddenly you find a food array that is uh, is completely fresh and new. Uh, in, in Toronto, if you want the most interesting and conveniently the cheapest food, uh, you know, go to, to Finch and Weston, go out to the Pacific Mall on uh, mm. uh, you know way out in, in, in the Upper East, um, and uh, if you in, in London, I'm sorry, in New York, go out on the seven train. Right, not don't go on the seven train to Hudson Yards. 
go the other way uh, to deepest, darkest Queens uh, and to Flushing, and you will find suddenly you've got like a Hong Kong array of hmm. Chinese Asian options. So this is what I, uh, the, the kind of Hausmannian um, uh, street beauty, I mean, it is lovely. I can't, I mean, I, 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 I love being in it. Um, I guess partly now, because even I, you know, to be fair, uh, probably a one percenter, uh, and I can't afford to live in these places any yeah, longer. It's, uh, it's crazy. So, uh, so I, 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 I look for my beauty somewhere else. It just, you know, I mean, there's something very precise and very uh, mathematical about the glass and the concrete and the steel. I used to work in construction. I'm an electrician, and yeah. and I loved. The, that part of it, I mean, this is an actual living mechano set, right? And, yes. and, and, and yes, boy, right. you can't get much more practical to work in the trades. I mean, you're providing pl- places for people to work and places for people to, to be healed and to go to school and to, to, to live. But it just seems like, hmm, I don't know, lacks a whole lot of character. It's, it's almost like convenience. I'll go for the alliteration here. Convenience over character. And is that, I, is, do, do, I do you disagree? I think you might be a little skin deep. I mean, mm. it's, I, let me give you, give you an example. There's a, uh, I'm looking out the window from my office uh, uh, in, uh, in Toronto, and I'm looking at an, an area um, that was developed over the, uh, in the rail yards um, between where I am now and, and the waterfront. Uh, and it, basically, it's about um, 30 high-rise buildings. And you look at it as an outsider, uh, as a sort of a, a, a well-educated esthete, and you and you say, oh, all that awful glass and concrete and all those high-rise things. How can people live there? When you go walk around, what do you see? All the prams. Uh, what do you see? All the bars. What do you see? The, you, you see that the, the, the life of citizens is so energetic um, that they will, for the most part, overcome almost any environment that they are in. Uh, and they're not, uh, this is all uh, free market housing. People are not um, closeted in there uh, because it's social housing. Uh, it, it, they're doing this out of free will. Uh, and they're buying a deal, which is, I can walk to work. I can walk to the waterfront. I can get on the subway whenever I want to. Uh, and I, I'll live on the 27th floor in a place that's a bit too small for me, my lady, and the baby. And the big question I have is uh, whether or not um, that family, when they get another kid, is going to say, I've had it, it's too much, I'm getting the hell out of here. Uh, Or whether they'll say, you know what, there's another apartment next door, let's buy that and knock the two together. Can you you talk a little bit about... I mean, you know, perfect city. I mean, you can't get much more utopian, I suppose, than the title <laughs> than the title of your book. And and I, yeah. I think you kind of already have have said the card has fallen out of your sleeve. They they don't really exist. That's but, right. But tell me a bit about that. You know, present versus present needs versus future growth, uh, sustainability. Um, you know, I mean, these are questions that people are asking. Pollution. I I interviewed Leif uh, Calder, a Canadian filmmaker, recently about his film yeah. Something in the Air, and he's got and he, he was in Toronto, he was in Beijing, and and then we talked offline about Ulaanbaatar. I've I've had the fortune to be in Mongolia several times. Serious pollution in that city, yep. and Beijing, another another one, and so on. And 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 they had people walking on one side of the road versus the other side of the road, and the pollution. I'm going to call very technical here, Joe. The pollution detector. Yeah. I don't know what it was. 
was. The meter that they were using, particles in the air, nanoparticles in the air, was yeah. way more concentrated on one side of the street than it was on the other. Yeah. Can, can no, you talk, it, yeah. What are we are we heading in the right direction? Well, again. Innovation happens in cities. Yes. Innovation happens because citizens won't put up with it anymore. Right. Uh, and it, it sounds uh, a bit simplistic, but the fix is pretty clear. You've got to eliminate the um, gasoline diesel mm. uh, burning mm. car. So what do we have? Paris going to do it by 2035. London going to do it by 2040. New York going to do it by 2040. Uh, if all of those cities, and I hope a, a whole, dozens more, come and say, we up with this, we will not put any longer, um, then uh, capitalism will out. It will invent a pollution-free vehicle. Uh, and I think you, you, you're always going to need mobility in cities. But interestingly, the fact that, it, that, that pollution is so concentrated in cities is one of the solutions because you can fix this uh, by hmm. a powerful edict. Uh, and if enough big cities do it, that's enough of the market that the whole uh, mobility market moves towards non-polluting transport. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I just was come back from Paris and I was very impressed by the fantastic mayor there, Anne Hidalgo, uh, who bizarrely I bumped into when she was doing one of her bike tours uh, and sat next to her in a cafe. Uh, and uh, she is absolutely loaded for bear on making Paris the most uh, ecologically uh, 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 innovative city you can. Um, and I think she'll set the standard and every other city will, will come yeah. behind. It's, it's amazing so, to hear those numbers, 2035, 2040 and so on for yeah, these yeah. major cities that they want to be sort of the, like, I guess, Singaporean war on the car. That's right. And, 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 you know, that's a decade away, uh, a decade and a half away. So, um, Joe, sadly... So I, I'm, an I'm an optimist. You and, are an optimist, and, and I love that about well, you, and I love that about well, the book, too. It makes me want to go to a few more cities, a few of the more <laughs> the ones that you've written about, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, cities, you, cities are what make the future, and, and they always have and always will. So, so we got to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, yep. but but I'd, and I'm sad about that. I I think we we could keep going here without too much trouble. There's there's so much to talk about in mine, and and so many things we've we've barely scratched the surface on. But um, I love this idea though that 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 sort of that old nostalgic approach is maybe maybe a mile wide and an inch deep. If if I I think yeah. I, that's what I heard you say. But but yeah. why does Toronto suffer from low self esteem? You you need to tell me more about that. Just because I oh, you know. I've, I've had the patient on the couch for decades now, and I still don't now. <laughs> it's just funny because I think it could be instructive for, for a variety of different reasons. But uh... Every city has the yin of its yang. Mm. What does Toronto do well? It welcomes, and I think that's the right verb, it welcomes 125,000 immigrants a year. To give you the comparables, you know, London, New York are down in the 60,000, maybe even less now, uh, range. So this is a smaller city doing four times what the cities that call themselves the big melting pot cities are doing. Um, why is it so welcoming? It's because of this sort of um, 
uh, you know, uh, neighbors together, uh, you know, don't get too big for yourself and you've got to help the guy next door and don't get too grand because, you know, basically uh, we're all sort of uh, sons of the sod. Uh, and uh, it, it's, in other words, the very thing that makes us a welcoming, uh, accepting city is the city that's so suspicious of having any big ideas mm. because then we might get a, uh, ahead of ourselves and then we might get arrogant. I mean, the, the worst crime in Toronto is to be arrogant. Uh, and so you know, we will never do the Sydney Opera House. We will never do the Guggenheim uh, Bilbao. We will never uh, do uh, introduce be the first a city to introduce the oyster card uh, like London or to ban uh, uh, diesel and gasoline uh, vehicles like Paris. Um, we will be a, 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 a gentle follower. But mm. if, <laughs> you think, if you think that the most important thing a city does is to provide a good quality of sustainable, equitable life for the biggest possible majority of its citizens, then that is the thing that Toronto does most perfectly of any city in the world. Mm. I love how, uh, and I've got to ask you what the perfect city is for you, but um, um, you, I love how <laughs> I you I don't have one. I mean, yeah, that's what I was afraid you were going to say. That's, that's too easy, man. That's too easy, Joey. you got, you got to give me more meat on the bone there. Um, it, near the end of the book, you know, I'm going to quote here, you, you talk about cities being big and, and, and complicated places and, and what good management is all about. But I love here how you quote, the best city is that which can most effectively support the creation of the collective employment and wealth necessary to support its residents' lives and aspirations that can readily move people and goods around, dot, dot, dot. You then say, quote, of course, that machine is also home, home to its residents, to the old and young, to new immigrants and long-time residents. The search for and guardianship of home is one of the most powerful of human emotions, close quote. I mean, this is a beautiful thing from, from this yeah. purpose-driven, machine-like piece of you know, brilliant, yeah, precise architecture, yeah. right? Concrete, glass, and steel to, yeah. no, no, this is about homes. This is about arguments with uh, families. This is about celebrating uh, kids graduating from school, right? This yep. is about the joy and being present, uh, the joy of life and being present, I, it seems to me. Yep, it, 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 it exactly is. And, um, and the physical carapace, uh, the container of that joy um, is much less influential than we think. I, I, I'm not one of those determinists who, you know, think that uh, suburbs make bad people and hierarchies <laughs> create urban anomie and and, and uh, the most perfect existences in a um, a Victorian terrace uh, just outside the city centre. I mean, that's I hate to say it, but a huge amount of, of uh, urban writing uh, subscribes to those myths. Um, no, what what there's a hu move, there's a hubris there, isn't there, Joe? There is, there yes, is, there yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. People, people live and move in cities um, to realize their dreams uh, and realize the dream and to, and to bring children up who are mm. a part of those dreams. Mm. And that's the, that's the fundamental process. Uh, and um, so if you can do that well, the, the physical environment is, uh, is important uh, functionally. There's no question about that. Um, but it's not, I don't think, so important spiritually.
Mm. No, that's great. What a, what a pleasure chatting with you today, Joe. I, I've so enjoyed it, and I really do feel like we barely scratched the surface. And I think our follow-up conversation, we're going to have to get into this uh, uh, suburban versus city life uh, conversation. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of tension there, it seems to me. Uh, we've been talking with Joe Barrage today about his new book, wonderful, uh, engaging, and fun, uh, and, 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 and important new book, Perfect City, An Urban Fixer's Global Search for Magic in the Modern Metropolis. You can find out more, too, about Joe. Help me out here, Joe, but it's um, urbanstrategies.com, uh, I believe. Is that right? Yes, that, that's the yeah. firm, uh, urbanstrategies.com. Uh, and um, you know, look us up and uh, you'll see, and I'm, I'm right in there. What a, what a pleasure chatting with you today, Joe. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.